Hello, friends. This is Derek Kistner, founder and executive director of the Greater Peoria House of Prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Whether you're hearing from me, my wife Mandy, or a trusted leader, it's my hope that it would serve you well in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you're listening at home here in central Illinois, maybe in your vehicle, or even somewhere on the other side of the world. However you're tuning in or wherever you are, it's my prayer that what you hear helps you to love God, His Word, His Spirit, His Church, and the people you interact with each and every day. Thanks again for listening, and may the grace of God fill your heart as you listen to the following message. All right, so Father, we just come before you, and we just thank you so much for your love for us, and we thank you for this house of prayer. We um, ask tonight, God, that you'd speak to each of our hearts. Lord, I ask that you would deepen truths inside of us and that you would help us to apply this message to our own lives and that you would encourage us, inspire us, God, challenge us, that you would pour out your love over each of our hearts. That you give, I pray you give us ears to listen and just that we would receive from you tonight. Father, we just pray you would have your way, that you would be glorified in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. All righty. I love how I have my kids back there. And uh, anyway, all right, so the title of my message is A Call to Seek God, Learn, Lavish, and Lean. So I was um, downstairs having a, doing a prayer time. This was a couple weeks ago, and uh, I noticed that our resident chalkboard, art, chalkboard artist, Kenzie Brooks, she updated the prayer board. And I saw on the prayer board, uh, she wrote down, Happy 246th birthday, America. And it was really nicely done with the little fireworks around it. And I just felt like when I read that, I felt like the Lord speak to me, Psalm 24-6 for America's 246th birthday. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to open just right up to that verse. And it says, this is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him who seek your face. And when I read that, I felt like the Lord gave me just a heart for this nation. And I felt like the Lord was just speaking to me that this is his call for this nation at this time that we would truly be Jacob, that we would truly be a generation of those who seek God, who seek his face. And I just, I began just to pray into that and just that God would raise up more intercessors and more people just to come gather together in prayer. And I believe that we need to grab hold of this and pray it for our nation, pray it over ourselves. I just feel like this is a year that God's going to really stir up and awaken many people into the, a lifestyle of prayer like never before. So I encourage us, like, let's pray for this for our nation. It's, I don't think it's just coincidence that the Lord has put that on my heart for tw- Psalm 24, 6. So I just feel like this is a key verse for this year. I just really believe that God is raising up a generation that will seek his face. So I'm going to be talking a lot about um, the life of Jacob. And the three points I'm going to make are, so I said in my, t- my title of service, my title of my message is a call to seek God, learn, lavish, and lean. And so I'm going to be going through those different points and kind of just explaining what I mean by them. But I think before I I go to uh, my first point, I just think it's interesting. It says, this is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him. It's referring to the, the verses above when it says, this is Jacob. It's referring to 
um, basically what it's what this chapter says before that verse, which it talks about how um, who may ascend the hill of the Lord or stand in his holy place. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up, lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. And I just think that's interesting, you know, that then it says, this is Jacob. And it's really those that enter into the call that God has for us, which is internal holiness and external holiness. And so I wanted to just briefly mention that because I love this chapter. And I think that being Jacob and being a generation of Jacob is also, it's, it's a call to holiness and a call to really ask the Lord to purify our hearts, purify our hands. Um, and it says, he shall receive blessing from the Lord when we, when we are like that. And then what happens after that in verse 7, 8, 9, 10, the king of glory comes in and um, he, oh, lift up your heads, you gates, be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. We all want God's presence. We all want his glory, right? So let's seek to have clean hands and a pure heart, and let's seek to be that generation of Jacob, that the presence of God will come in to our lives, to our churches, to wherever we are, and just impact those around us. Okay, so... Okay, I'm going to kind of dive into how to become a generation of Jacob. Like, because I'm sure, don't we all want to be like this? We want to be like Jacob, the generation of those who seek him. Okay, so number one is learn. Be confident in God's love for you and his plan for your life despite what has happened in your past. All right, so I was just meditating on that verse. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him. And I'm like, Lord, why did you choose Jacob? Why didn't you say, this is Moses, the generation that seeks your face, or this is uh, Joshua, the generation who seeks him, or this is King David, the generation that seeks the Lord, you know? Why is it Jacob? Because I don't know what you guys think, but when I think of Jacob, I think of a liar, a deceiver. Um, You know, he had some really interesting things that he did in his past, Like his brother was out in the field working. He comes in. Jacob's making some really good soup. And Esau is like, hey, give me some soup. And instead of like just saying, sure, here you go. He's like, no, give me your birthright. And then I'll give you this soup. And I think that's just a really interesting little thing that he does to his brother. So he gets his birthright. And then, you know, we all are familiar with how Jacob deceives his own his dad with the help of his mother. Jacob decides to, um, you know, get Esau's clothes on and start, you know, so he can kind of smell like him and feel feel. And so when his dad would maybe touch his hands, he could kind of feel the hair. Also, he like put some I don't know hair on his hands or whatever because Esau was known as being hairy and he smelled like the field or, or whatever. And uh, and he went out with his mother's help and he cooked some of the livestock for his dad so that he would receive Esau's blessing because, J- uh, because Israel, no, I'm sorry, because um, Isaac said, hey, Esau, I'm going to give you a blessing. So go out to the field and get me this and then I will bless you. So that's when Jacob quickly does it behind Esau's back with the help of his mother and deceives his dad and 
go, you know, backstabs his brother too. And so he comes in and he receives the blessing um, from his father. And uh, he says, you know, hey, I, I am Esau. So that's a complete lie. So here he is, he lies to his dad and then he goes, runs away to um, Padamaran and he stays with his uncle and then he gets a couple wives and um, gets more livestock. And then he just kind of leaves without telling his uncle and his uncle comes to him. He pursues him for like 10 days, comes to him and is like, why are you sneaking away? Like, why, you know, I didn't even give my, my grandchildren and my, um, my daughter's hugs. Like, what is up with this? And so he's, he's done a couple weird things. And I'm like, God, why did you choose this man, Jacob, for you to say, this is Jacob, the generation of those who seek your face? So um, I believe that God doesn't just focus on the negatives in Jacob's life. I believe that he sees the positive. He sees what and who he would become. You know, God believed the best in him. And he knew that Jacob would one day press in to him, wrestle with God, be victorious, and receive a new name. And so, you know, Jacob started his life with a negative label. His negative label was that his name means heel catcher or deceiver. And so he started this, his life with a negative label over it. And so I want to encourage you guys, don't let past labels define you or discourage you. When people say things about you that they put you down or the things in your past, you might hear voices. I know I do. I've got like things that people have spoken over my life that I still remember that have, you know, are just discouraging, but don't let those voices just cause you to believe something negative of your life. Know that God has such a bigger purpose for you. And he, he doesn't define you according to your past. He's well aware of our sins and our, the negatives in our lives, but he chooses to look past those things. So if you guys want to look at Psalm 102, I encourage you guys all to, let's see, maybe it's Psalm 103. Oh, you know, I think it's Psalm 103. Yes. Psalm 103, verse 10. I encourage you guys to go deep in Psalm 103. It's so powerful. It's all about God's tender mercies, his loving kindness, his forgiveness in our lives. But I wanted to highlight verse 10. He has not, excuse me, dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. So I love that God, he doesn't treat us how we, um, how we deserve to be treated. You know, he doesn't punish us according to what we've done. I know even in my own life, if people wrong me or do things that I don't like, I can hold a little grudge. I can kind of say, you know what, you did that to me. I'm going to kind of not extend, you know, as much grace and kindness to you. So, you know, but God's not like that. He, he doesn't hold things against us. And it doesn't deal with us, guys. That's so powerful. According to our sins, he doesn't punish us according to our iniquities. He believes the best for us. He believes all things. He hopes all things. And that's what he did in Jacob's life. And, you know, I'm going to be uh, going into my second uh, point here soon. But when we truly understand, number one, that God, like who God is, what he says about us, we will therefore want to do my second point, which is lavish, which is to spend time with him and to want to have a relationship with him. If we just think that, he is judging us constantly and he's always displeased with us and unhappy, 
then guess what? We're not going to want to grow in our prayer life. We're not going to want to spend time with a guy that we just think is always displeased with us, right? But if we know God's heart, that he is in love with us, like that he has a plan for us and he's excited for our future and he believes all things and hopes all things for our lives and his love is so unlimited for us, like it will motivate us to want to really pursue him in a greater way. There is nothing you can do right now to make him love you more. Just receive that. There's nothing right now you can do to make him love you more. I just love that. He loves you so much for who you are in this moment. You don't have to do X, Y, and Z for him to love you anymore. Okay, I love this quote from Lisa Bevere. The attacks on your life has much more to do with who you might be in the future than who you have been in the past. Your history does not determine your destiny. Your history does not determine your destiny. So, you know, a lot of times the attacks that you have in your life, it really does. It has more to do with, with what you're going to become, who you're going to become. And so um, just know that what you've been through, it doesn't determine where you're going to go. And I feel like, you know, even the, the God can redeem any of the history stuff in our lives. And he can use our past to... Um, to bring glory to him, you know, if, if we've been, if we have a history of, you know, abuse, for instance, like God can use that to redeem us and to, to minister, therefore, to those who have been abused. And so just know that whatever you've dealt with the past, God wants to break through in your life to cause you to be a healing vessel for others to walk in also. Okay, number two points is lavish. I wanted to kind of do a catchy little little thing, learn lavish and lean. So I felt like the Lord gave me the word lavish. That word means bestow something in generous and extravagant quantities on. And so I, I love that because when you think of lavish, you just think of pouring yourself out or giving extravagantly. And that's what God wants us to do in that place of prayer, in our time of devotion with him. He doesn't want us just to come to him and just, you know, hear like, Lord, thank you for today. Yes, like, I think even those prayers, like, thank you for the today, or like little, you know, prayers, like those are powerful, those move God's heart. But let's live a lifestyle where we lavish our love on Jesus, on others. Let's give generously of our time and energy to the place of seeking him. Let's press in. And uh, before I get to Jacob's life, uh, I, when I think of the word lavish, I don't know what you guys think of, but I think of Mary Bethany in the Bible. So Luke ten thirty-eight to 40, I love this passage. Um, it talks about how Mary Bethany sits at the feet of Jesus, and Martha's really worried and says, Jesus, tell her to help me. And, um, and Jesus affirms Mary and says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and concerned about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. And so here Jesus, here Mary is, he, she, out of her love for Jesus, she just sits in, at the feet of Jesus and lavishes her time and energy before him. And it might not look very spiritual, it might kind of look like kind of apathetic, I guess you would say, of people looking in, like why is she just sitting there? But it is the most spiritual, powerful thing you can do with your time. And even Jesus affirms it. He says, this one thing is needed and it will not be taken away. And you can even claim that over yourselves, over your lives. When you 
are distracted like me in your, in your quiet time or when you don't want to necessarily have a quiet time because you have all this stuff that you need to get done, you just claim that, like, this one thing will not be taken away from me, Lord. Help me to really focus on you during this time and to give my energy to you, to lavish my affections on you because, you know, guys, we only have one life to live. We might as well live with such a fervency and a um, just extravagance and lay it at the feet of Jesus. Um, you know, it's going to be worth it. Also, Mary Bethany, John 12, 1 to 8, she also did something really kind of crazy, I guess you would say. She had this really costly oil, and I, I don't cost, um, I know some, some places say like t- around $20,000 or maybe more, like a, a year's wages. Um, and anyway, she takes it, and you know, you think like the right thing to do was to give it to the poor, right? Or to like maybe use it to buy a, buy something. I don't know. But she took this oil and decided just to pour it on Jesus's feet. And that is what I, I look at as just extravagant. Like why, why this Lord? But she had a revelation that Jesus was going to go to the cross. He was, he was going, so he was, she was basically anointing him before he goes to the cross and is buried. And out of also just the revelation and understanding of um, what he's done for her or what he's going to do. So out of thankfulness, she just extravagantly gives and pours out this oil before the Lord. And, um, and I love that, you know, the Lord also esteems Mary here. She, she, he says, you know, wherever the gospel is preached what this woman has done will be also shared, will also be uh, made known. And so, like that is that's powerful. So you can see that God really esteems the heart of extravagance and wholehearted where of, of wholeheartedness. All right. So you guys turn to Genesis thirty-two. All right. So we are coming to the point where um, basically Jacob is returning to the land of Canaan. He is getting all of his livestock and family and going to be going back to where he came from. And I guess Esau hears about it. So he gathers up 400 men and starts coming towards Jacob. And so Jacob sends out these messengers and the messengers come back with the word that, you know, hey, Esau is coming out to meet you. 400 men are coming out. And he immediately thinks, oh my goodness, this is not good. I might die. You know, there's this fear that kind of grips his heart. And so, uh, verse 10, when he hears of this, he, he says, he, he, starts, he starts praying, I'm not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother and from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother with, and the, mother with the children. And so here he, he just says, you know what, Lord, I'm not worthy. Like He has this, this point where he's just humbled, and he just cries out to God. And then after that, he um, goes across like a river, and he wrestles with God uh, all night long. So if you want to look in verse, um, let's see, 24, we'll start there. Then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled him until the breaking of day. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip 
and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go until you, unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. I love that. So, so anyways, basically, you know, here Jacob is, um, he is presented with this, you know, this possibility that he might die. And so he's just like, he's motivated to go to, to God in prayer and he wrestles with the Lord. And I just look at, at that as this persevering spirit that Jacob has. And I love that he says, um, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And I think that we need, we need to all have that posture in our hearts towards the Lord, um, that we go to him and we say, God, we won't let you go until you bless my marriage or until if we're struggling financially, Lord, until you bless me financially, or if we have a health issue, until you break in with healing, Lord, we will not let you go. Or until you break in with a revival or whatever is on your heart. Like, let's like say like Jesus, like by your grace, we won't let you go and until you bless us, until you, you answer the cries of our hearts. And so I, I admire that about Jacob. And so number one is this, his um, heart of perseverance. Um, I also think it's interesting too, God in verse 27 says, what is your name? He said, Jacob. So if you guys remember several chapters back, his dad asked him, what is your name? And what did Jacob say? He said, I am Esau. He lied about that, obviously, with his, with his dad. He said, hey, I'm, I'm not Jacob, I'm Esau. And so I think here, Jacob had an opportunity to really humble himself and be honest and say, hey, I am Jacob. And also when you say your, your name, it's also, you're also declaring basically the meaning behind your name. Hey, you know what? I am a, a heel catcher. I am a deceiver, a liar. Like he was like, yeah, that's me. And then that's when God says, your name should no longer be called Jacob, but... Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. So I love that, um, you know, here, here uh, Jacob is, he's lavishing his time, you know, that word again, on at, uh, you know, before the Lord, and he has that heart of like, I, I will not let you go until you bless me. Uh, Hebrews eleven six, it says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So just, you know, I think that, you know, Dave, or Jacob had a lot of faith to even go to him and to wrestle with God. And so we need to have that measure of faith. And basically the Lord says, like, if we believe that he exists and we come to God, we got, come to God, like he rewards us. He rewards those who earnestly seek him, who diligently seek his face. So we need to believe that for ourselves and claim it. Okay, I'm going to talk a little bit about the transformation too that happens because David chooses to persevere and, and lavish his time before the Lord. So there's you know a, a transformation that happens. It's Jacob gets transformed from being heel catcher and deceiver to one that prevails with God. And so transformation comes you know when we are hungry for Jesus, when we're not afraid to ask for blessings. Like he wasn't afraid to like lay hold of God and ask for his blessings. 
you know, it comes when you're honest, like I was talking about, and when you recognize your sin nature, just like Jacob confessed his name to God and, and just admitted who he was before him. So we want, we want to realize, too, that when we seek the Lord, he will transform us. Second Corinthians 3.18, I love this verse. It says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And so what happened here to Jacob is he was transformed. You know, he was sought the Lord and transformation happened. And I believe there are moments in our lives that, you know, we have, there might be um, a quiet time we have or a time at church where we know like, oh, wow, that, that moment in time really transformed me. But I don't, I don't believe that it's just always just a one-time event. I think, yes, like transformation can happen once, but it can mostly, it happens just gradually over time. And it talks about that in Second Corinthians, like I read. It says, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we're being transformed. And so as we behold, as we are looking at Jesus, and um, whether it's through the scriptures or in prayer, like as we're beholding him, we are being transformed. It is a, a thing that's happening, which I'm like so grateful for because I'm like, I, I still see so much of my fallen nature, even after just really, you know, purposely like seeking God for years and years, you know, I still see so much of that fallen nature in my heart, so much um, bad attitudes and things. And, but God is not done with us. He's not done with transforming us. And I love that. Um, you know, I think he wants to continue to do that in our lives. And so one way to be transformed is being with Jesus. That is just the message of my heart. Uh, so I'll just kind of give you a little background for, of my life. Um, so I grew up in the Methodist church. I had a basic understanding of who God was. And I remember really understanding the gospel when I was in sixth grade and really understanding like, oh, Jesus came to die for my sins. I have sins I need to repent of like, and I need to make him that Lord of my life. And so I remember just really understanding that in a deeper way when I was in sixth grade. But then when I got to college, um, that's when the Lord really set my heart on fire for like, not just um, being a Sunday Christian, if you know what I mean, like just going to church on Sunday and then that's kind of it. But not that that's like wrong. I think like, let's go to church on Sunday, but like, but I feel like God wants us so much more for us, you know? And so um, that's when the Lord really met me like, hey, I want to be a part of your life, not just on Sunday, but like every single day. And, um, and I know Amber knows probably the story uh, when I came into, and probably Andre, maybe, I don't know, and Curtis, <laughs> uh, when I came into Chi Alpha for the first time, uh, that was a Christian group that I was a part of. I, um, there was a guest preacher. He was a 20-year-old, very handsome man uh, by the name of Derek. <laughs> and he encouraged everyone there, hey, um, I encourage you guys to spend one hour a day with Jesus and your life will be changed and you'll be transformed. And I remember being like, what? People actually spend an hour a day with Jesus? Like, how is that possible? Like, that seems like so not productive. You know, like I'm in college. I got to study. I had a job. I'm like, that makes no sense. But hey, he's kind of cute. And hey, I want my life to be transformed, you know? And so by the grace of God, like I started doing that. And I, you know, even being a Christian most of my, all my life, really, um, I could, I saw like even after a week or a month of just that hour of devotion with Jesus, like 
God began to transform me so rapidly. The way I thought, the way I process process things, my um, he, God started giving me a vision for my future. And, you know, my passions began to change. I began to have a heart for the lost, for prayer, and things like that. Like it was just so so. You know, I just had such a transformative time then, and um, and so I know I believe in the power of just being with Jesus. And there's many days where I I just feel down, depressed, or anxious or whatever because we're just we're all human we all have these emotions and when i just choose to like spend you know it doesn't necessarily have to be an hour just even five minutes in prayer or worship or whatever like god can change you in like an instant where you can be you know just down and depressed to like being like wow thank you jesus um like he just can change us so fast and so let's keep on being with him lavishing our time on him because he will transform us because he is so good All right, my last point is lean. Okay, so receive the limp that God wants to give you, knowing that it's God's plan to grow you in dependence, so in dependence and trust. He gives us a limp so that we must lean. Okay, so if you look at uh, verse 31 here, so Genesis 32, verse 31 just as he crossed over Penuel, Penuel, I don't know how to say that, the sun rose on him and he limped on his hip. So if you look up also in verse 25, you know, God, it says he touched the socket of his hip and the socket of Jacob's hip was at a joint as he wrestled with him. So there was this um, limp that God gave Jacob and it was, you know, and he still called him victorious. Like, I feel like if we want to be victorious, we need that limp in our lives, if you know what I mean, because that limp will cause us to want to lean on Jesus. And, you know, Jacob probably went into this wrestling match thinking, hey, I'm pretty strong. I could take this guy down. I don't know what he was thinking. But um, God was like, nope, I'm going to just touch your socket and boom, you've got a limp now. And so I think God gave him that limp so that Jacob could truly understand how weak he was and how he truly needed to rely on God and trust in him uh, in every aspect of his life. So we need that same limp. We need that same um, understanding that apart from Christ, we are nothing. Apart from his strength, like his grace in our lives, like we are, yeah, we are nothing. And so we really need that, that limp and that leaning on Jesus. Song of Solomon 8, verse 5. The Shulamite says, or I guess, I don't know if it was the Shulamite, probably not, it's probably the, the friends of the bridegroom or something. Uh, but they said, who is this coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? So they're talking about the Shulamite. So here she is, she's coming up from the wilderness leaning. Now, who of us likes to go through the wilderness seasons? Does anyone like wilderness times of where you just feel dry and down and things are hard and challenging? We really don't like those periods of time. We want to be on the mountaintop. We want to be seeing the face of God. Uh, but the wilderness sometimes is important for us so that we'll learn to lean on our beloved. Dependence on God is shown through also just your commitment to prayer. And uh, if, you're vic- if you're victorious, or sorry, sorry, you are victorious if you leave your time with the Lord with a limp, with like a greater trusting in him. So um, we need to look at like challenges in our lives, like the wilderness seasons. 
with not just such a negative light, but we need to look at it as an invitation to lean on God. So difficulties, because like, you know, just difficulties, hardships, they really do expose um, what we truly lean on, what we put our hope in. And, um, you know, who or what do we turn to when, when challenges happen? When I was working at OSF, I would uh, ask, I, I would ask the, my patients this question frequently. I would say, you know, like, who or what is your source of strength? Or who do you turn to during this time of illness? Just to kind of see like, like what they put their hope and trust in and also to kind of open up a, a way for me to share the gospel and to kind of share what my hope and trust is, who my hope and trust is in. And I remember this one, one sweet lady said, you know, um, when I asked her, what do you, what's your source of comfort? She says, my source of comfort is food. I'm like, bless your heart. Thanks for being honest. Like, you know, but that's true. We put a lot of, sometimes we, we uh, turn to food or a lot of people would say friends and family, which I think is great. Like we need to turn to them. But Jesus is, is truly, we need to have him as number one, our source of comfort. And so, um, you know, when challenges arise and hardships come, like, I know sometimes it's, sometimes it's ha- easy to like get offended at God or like say like, why us? Or what is going on? And I think we need to ask those questions. We need to really seek God and just get clarity. And it's okay to mourn. It's okay to go through periods of time where you feel just down. Um, but we, we just need to ask the Lord for grace during the deep darkness of our soul and the times of just darkness that we need to come to him time and time again. And that is where he meets us. And he's going to cause us like Song of Solomon to come up from that wilderness season, leaning on our beloved in a greater way. Amen. For more messages like this one, please visit our online teaching library at gphop.org teachings. If you found this free material helpful in your walk with God, please prayerfully consider a generous donation. To give, please visit gphop.org donate. That's gphop.org donate. Thank you, and may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you today.